Welcome to Percolating Perspective, your podcast to celebrate and reintroduce American culture and the Western way of life while enjoying the West's greatest gift to humanity, coffee. Today on Percolating Perspective, we continue our deep dive into the Declaration of Independence and the first two paragraphs in particular, and really get the meat of it out and see what's left on the bone. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. Please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app to help push our show into everyone's feed on their favorite podcast app. Check us also uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Percolating Perspective. I also want to mention we have loyal subscribers in every state in the union, but I do want to give a special shout-out to our most loyal listening states. Right now, we have my home state, number one, Florida. Number two, coming in really hot on the heels, and this was actually a big surprise to me, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. New York State is the second, which is wonderful. And there are only a couple of downloads behind, which to put in perspective, it's only a couple of percentage points behind Florida, which means two things, or possibly two things. It means either one, uh, my friends and neighbors in Florida aren't my neighbors and friends like I thought they were, or second, New York is just killing it, and they want to know more, they want to learn the truth, and I really hope that the, one, the first one's not true, but I hope even more that the second one's true. Thank you so much, New York. And in number three, in the third place spot, Alabama. Huge shout out to Alabama. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in and being so loyal to the podcast. Please tell your friends and share our posts on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as well. You can uh, listen for free on your favorite podcast app, as I mentioned a minute ago, but you can also now listen for free at our Facebook page and at YouTube at Percolating Perspective. You can pull it up on your phone and it's super easy to do. All right, now I'm so excited for this drip of the day. We actually have, so let me just back up here. We have, as you just heard, we have some new intro music and some background music, as you're hearing right now, to the drip of the day. Now, if you don't like the little coffee sound effect in the beginning there, I really hope you like it, because I spent most of the day today trying to find a sound effect that did not sound like somebody peeing. If you think it sounds like somebody peeing, let me just say, how many podcasts do you know of that you can go to at Monday morning at 6 o'clock and hear somebody pee? I mean, some, it depends on if you're married or not, or, you know, whatever your situation is, you might get that all natural at your home anyway. But if you don't, and you live alone, you can go to Percolating Perspective Podcast and listen to this little segment. And if you think it sounds like somebody peeing, then you've got it made. In my opinion, after spending hours and hours and hours of going through all these coffee pouring sound effects, I landed on this one because it does not sound like somebody peeing. Moving forward from the sound effect, this week's drip of the day is we're going back to Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. We have their new fall flavors in. And oh my goodness. I'm not I'm not much of a fangirl uh, and you know really making it embarrassing for everybody that's around me from my from my fangirling. 
but this week is called Fall Harvest from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters from our dear friends in Mechanicsburg, Ohio. If you could imagine taking coffee and mold apple cider and mixing those two together, that's Fall Harvest. It's really good. And I'm not one for flavored coffee. You know, I do like just the plain old black cup of coffee and an unmarked ceramic mug, but this is really good. And now, and now it does, it does have some, some edge to it. Like there's some bite to it. So I even like, I'm, I'm, I rarely put anything in my coffee. I did have to put a little sugar in this, but it is, you want to talk about welcoming in fall. Yesterday was the first day. Well, I, I say yesterday, yesterday from when I'm recording this podcast was the first day of fall. So for you listening now, last Thursday, I got it in the mail and what a way to welcome in fall. It is just a good, and honestly, it is still good just as a black cup of coffee. It is still really good. But if you're not quite the uh, the black coffee lover and you want to take a little of the edge off, this cup in particular, you're going to have to take a little of the edge off. Maybe even a little cream if you're a little more effeminate than, say, myself. But, you know, anybody can do it. It's still a great cup of coffee. All right, now let's get into the Declaration of Independence, the founding document of the United States. And don't let anybody tell you that the doc, the Declaration of Independence is irrelevant anymore. They've been trying to say that for 150 years and you know that the, the Declaration of it is not relevant. And the reason they say that is because there are so many moral standards embedded in the Declaration of Independence that keeps people from from doing what they want to do just on a whim because they, you know, they don't like their situation. And and my point in saying that is Back in the 1860s, when slavery was an issue, interestingly enough, the Dixiecrats, the Democrats that were in charge of the South, they all the time, you can go through as as many times as you can find it where they're discussing the Declaration of Independence, particularly the senators and representatives that were representing the Southern states in Congress at the time, in U.S. Congress before the states seceded. Anytime the Declaration of Independence came up and that all men are created equal, they would do everything they could to discredit the Declaration of Independence in that it, did not, it was not a governing document. That is not true. Now, it is not part of our legal system. However, it is the, it is the rudder to the ship of the United States where the Declaration of Independence is, or I'm sorry, the Constitution, you might consider it to be the hull of our boat. The Declaration of Independence is our rudder, and it is what steers this thing left or right. John Adams said that the Constitution was wholly inadequate for a moral and religious people, and to be completely honest, he was 100% right. The Declaration of Independence is that rudder that keeps us on track uh, you know, and helps remind us to be a moral and religious people. The Declaration of Independence cannot make us a moral and religious people, but simply reminds us of what that means and, and what we should look like as a people if we are a moral and religious people. Uh, I think we are quickly getting away from that, but I do see wonderful signs of life, and I see a lot of encouraging things throughout all 50 states that point to maybe the pendulum is swinging back the other direction. And hopefully this podcast will do its fair share in giving it a violent shove back into morality and religion and church going. Now this, again, please remember, this podcast is not a, a, a 
preachy podcast. It is it is not even, you know, I don't even consider it a conservative podcast or a political podcast. This is simply the American Culture and Western Way of Life podcast. And you cannot have the American way of life, the Western way of life, without Christianity and the principles and the moral standards and virtues that it provides. All right, so let's get into it. The Declaration of Independence. Let's start here with, I've got my pocket constitution here. If you don't have one, go to Hillsdale College. They, uh, Their website, you can get a pocket constitution and Declaration of Independence. as all part of one little package. And keep it, study it, highlight it. You know, anytime, you know, you have friends that want to discuss things and maybe they're saying that things are in the Constitution that aren't or saying things that aren't in the Constitution but actually are or in the Declaration of Independence, have a copy on hand. It's it's not big at all. It's just a little pamphlet. Uh, you know, the governing document of our country is maybe, be, you know, maybe two pages on standard eight and a half by 11 uh, paper, yet the tax code is about 2,000 pages. So go rack your brain on that one. Anyway... The Declaration of Independence. All right, let's start from the top. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Now, this is a letter that was written by Thomas Jefferson, but on behalf of the United States to the King of Great Britain and to the Parliament of Great Britain at the time. And the way this letter is addressed, at the very top, it says, Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4, 1776. Here's how they addressed it. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. This was the first time that officially they recognized uh, themselves as the uh, 13 United States of America, but in particular, and probably most important, it says the unanimous declaration. That qualifier is everything when you're discussing the Declaration of Independence and how it came about. Um, we're going to get into just a little bit of that today um, and why that's important, but stick with me here. Um, as we just said, it, this is a letter, but more importantly, the Declaration of Independence is America's mission statement. And also, uh, you know, it is the most detailed breakup letter probably ever written. Thomas Jefferson uh, spared no tears. He was a wordsmith. He did incredible uh, writing all through his life. But the Declaration of Independence, I think, was his masterpiece. Uh, and then even at, even it being his masterpiece, it was still you know, edited and tailored by those in Congress. I really encourage you to go look at the first draft of the Declaration of Independence. There's a lot of stuff that he put in there that was taken out uh, so that, you know, all the states would be on board. And that original draft has some stuff in there. And we will do a podcast on this, possibly the next podcast. I don't know yet. But there are some stuff in that original draft that will completely change your mind of Thomas Je If you think Thomas Jefferson was not a is was not a uh, a Christian and was an atheist and you know was a racist and and hated black people that one document will prove all of that wrong and it's incredibly important that we don't forget that the the rough draft and also know why those changes were made getting back into what we're talking about here though uh, the the Declaration of Independence is sort of the the boat, uh, or I'm sorry, is the rudder. The Constitution is sort of the the hull. Uh, so 
let's talk about the five principles, though, that we talked about last week. We talked about the right to life. There are three other mentioned in the Declaration, three other rights mentioned in the Declaration, and it says among these rights. So they're saying there are plenty more, but the three we're most concerned with are life, liberty, and originally property, but the pursuit of happiness came to fulfill uh, to fill that spot, excuse me, and that was uh, there was a result. That was a result of many things, um, but the pursuit of happiness is a it's another direct take from Blackstone's commentaries. Uh, but let's look at the principles that make up just the first paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. Principle number one: All men are created equal and are endowed by their Creator. All right, and the Creator there is a capital C. Now, remember, this is a unanimous declaration. This is this one principle, this one sentence is a unanimous declaration to the world that there is a divine creator. Present day courts, the Department of Justice, and basically every level of politician, including many Republicans, say that government cannot take a stance on the existence of God. This principle in our founding document says otherwise, and it says it loudly otherwise. Now, to kind of get an idea of why this principle exists, you'll have to look at Judges chapter 8 and verse 22 and 23. This particular part of Scripture is where Israel is asking Gideon to become king. Gideon uh, just led them out of the hand of the Midianite uh, captivity that they were in. And things things went really well, and Israel was really happy with Gideon. They liked Gideon, and he just led them out uh, into victory. And they came to him, and in verse 22, it says, Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also. Now, what they're asking for here is hereditary monarchy, and uh, an absolute monarchy. I encourage you, we mentioned this last week, take a look at Thomas Paine's uh, book, Common Sense, particularly chapter 2, and it heavily deals with hereditary succession and absolute monarchy. What they're asking for here is hereditary succession and absolute monarchy. In the book of First uh, Samuel, God explicitly condemns that and says that it is evil and pagan. Um, but here in uh, verse 22 of Judges chapter 8, it says, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian, And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. So this is a unanimous, again, a unanimous declaration, there is a divine creator. However, Gideon says no for two reasons. One is there is a God. That was his first reason. Two, I'm sorry, uh, there is a God, one true living God. That is the first reason. The second reason is, he says here, he directly governs man. Now, by the way, George Washington mirrored this exactly. He led the American Revolution out of the hands of uh, the British, uh, you could call it captivity. They were, they were, it was taxation without, without representation. They were trampling all over the colonists' rights with no recourse uh, and so they were. That's essentially slavery. You ha- they did not have liberty. They were held to uh, the whims of a hereditary, successive, absolute monarch. Um, so George Washington did the exact same thing. Led them out. Led the colonies out of the American Revolution. One, the colonists then asked George Washington to be king on several occasions, and every time he said, "No, I will not be your king. The Lord will rule over you." He did the exact same thing Gideon did. 
Now, if God directly governs man, any ent- entity, any entity, excuse me, that attempts to step between God and man violates a sacred jurisdiction, even if you ask or request that entity to do it. Now, look at Matthew chapter 22 when you have time. Matthew chapter 22 in verse 20, you have, uh, you know, the uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees are coming to Christ and they're trying to trip him up. Um, and this is, you probably remember the render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? That's where this story comes from. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, look in verse 18 when you have time. It says, uh, but Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then he saith unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now, this is a strong implication that Caesar is not entitled to certain things. There are things that are more important because they belong directly to God himself. Uh, Now, to kind of uh, paint a picture here, if I wanted to change the carpet in your house, if I want to just break down the front door while you're gone on vacation, rip the carpet out, and let's let's go one step further. Let's say I want to tear your carpet out and put in uh, laminate flooring. Now, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to probably throw your arms around me and thank me for doing it because that's expensive. But two, you're probably going to be pretty upset because you didn't pick the color and it wasn't my right to do it in the first place. It's not my house to change anything about. Okay, that's what a man stepping in the place of governing you uh, as, you know, and and again, I I want to put a qualifier in here. I'm not talking about anarchy or anything like that as a form of government. I want to explicitly condemn anarchy in general. What I'm talking about here is God ruling over you and that government being selected by those people that are governed by God and putting measures in place and things in place to protect their God-given rights. So just to get that out of the way. But when you have an entity that steps between you and God, you have somebody violating a sacred jurisdiction, much like me coming in and ripping the carpet out of your house and putting down laminate flooring without you asking me to or me asking you to do it. That it is not a man's right to in, get involved with my rights or to take my rights. That, that, that's not his place. That's God's place to do that. And it's very dangerous ground for, for somebody to do that. All right, principle number two. They are endowed by their creator, capital C, with certain unalienable rights. This establishes their, that there are a certain set of rights that come from God and not any government. We use the example of, uh, of changing the carpet out and changing the flooring. Uh, these, uh, that cannot be done without asking. These rights that are endowed by our Creator cannot be touched by any government. They would be out of their jurisdiction to do so. Why is that the case? Well, the reason is these rights predate government. These rights were in existence before government, secular government, existed. Uh, they were granted to us by God himself long before government ever existed. If you look at Genesis chapter 6 and, and around uh, verse 11 and 12, God says that the earth was filled with violence. This is around, uh, you know, before Noah's flood, right leading up to Noah's flood. This violence prompted God to destroy the earth. And as we mentioned last week, um, this violence was murder and theft and rape. And it was taking, it was violating your fellow man's rights. That was the issue that was happening. So to prevent this from ever happening again, 
as we mentioned last week, God gives the first law ever given to man in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, um, which was, uh, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, which was, an, it was it, this was man shedding, uh, or I'm sorry, was correcting the issue, not God correcting the issue, which tells us this was a civil ordinance. This was a secular government uh, and secular law being established by God to protect your God-given rights. Now, look at uh, also principle three. The next principle, the third principle, uh, is that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So this establishes the why. Why, it, why the Declaration of Independence? Well, the reason is governments are instituted to protect our God-given rights. All right. Um, the phrasing instituted among men is interesting. Remember that that kind of goes back to chapter nine and verse six of Genesis, where it says man is the one that's carrying out the punishment and not God. Okay. So remember that there's some coincision there. Um, the principle here being very simple, God, I'm sorry, government exists solely to preserve God given rights. That is government's only job. Uh, per the Bible, per God, and per the United States Declaration of Independence and Constitution. Now, there are some other parameters that are uh, put in place later on in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, and the Constitution somewhat reflects that, and we'll look at that maybe next week as well. Um, but on its face, base level, government's only job is to protect your God-given rights. That is the reason God instituted government, secular government, in the first place. Uh, we again see this concept coming to form with Noah's law, Genesis chapter 9, and God putting uh, a, a law in place to protect your right and for man to have that law to govern each other. Uh, also look at Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. We talked about this briefly last week. The last five commandments of the Declaration of, of Independence specifically govern man's relationship to man. Right, So not man's relationship to God, like in the first five commandments where you have, you know, thou shalt not take, you know, have any other gods before me. Uh, thou shalt not take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. That's the first five. The last five are man's relationship to man. The first law of those last five is thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder, which is a protection of your right to life. All right, principle number four, the laws of nature and of nature's God. This establishes that we believe that there is a fixed and eternal moral law. It is absolute and unmovable. This has been the sole target of the postmodern movement and the progressive uh, movement in the United States and in and the West more generally, more broadly. You can see it happening in, in Germany. You can see it happening in um, uh, Great Britain. Um, the, pretty much every Western nation on earth is is dealing with this where there is no absolute moral truth there is no fixed authority um, more specifically this has been the case with the gender theory movement um, there is not absolute truth there is no you know you know two genders that's just a social construct there is no truth that we can reference there it's kind of just whatever you kind of want to do that's not true, and we know that's not true, and this is your friend and your fellow American and your neighbor reminding you that we all know that's not true, and we need to remember that, it's, that that's not true, and we need to stop playing footsie with that idea because that can lead to some really dangerous ideas later on down the road. Um, now, there, 
if there is no moral truth, the truth can be whatever you want it to be. And that obviously doesn't work in a very short amount of time that we've been experimenting with that in the United States with the, the progressive movement. It has not worked out well at all. We've had more death and, and uh, more suicide. We've seen more cities burned as a result of that mindset than ever in American history outside of the Civil War. Now, if you want to go back to the Civil War and make some comparisons here, they were making the case uh, back then that there was no absolute truth when it comes to what is a human and what is not. We all know what's a human, and they knew it was a human. You know, it's the same arguments that are taking place, and it leads to very dangerous positions and very dangerous times uh, in, in world history. Many Christians today don't believe that there are any moral absolutes uh, now, this certainly isn't a new idea, though. Look at Joshua at chapter 17 and verse 6 when you get a chance. It says that every man did which was right in his own eyes. Spoiler alert here, that did not work out for Israel at all. And it never does, because it is an absolute moral truth that whenever you disregard absolute truth, things go downhill really quickly. Um, David says that this is not God's plan for there to be no absolute moral truth. And he says that in Psalm 111 verses 7 through 8. Now, the principle, principle number four, which is that the laws of nature and nature's God could be the most important in the history of mankind and certainly in the Declaration of Independence. Without this principle, there is no higher authority. The Declaration completely falls apart. The Constitution falls apart. And frankly, the Bible is rendered useless without this because if there is no higher moral fixed authority, the Bible means nothing. There is the, the, the whole point of the Bible existing is to give people a, a, a parameters to live their life and, you know, and to have virtues to, to reach towards and to try to hit. Now, the last and final principle, governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, it says deriving their just powers. There's that jurisdiction again that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Take a look at Romans chapter 13. Again, when you have, when you have your Bible and you have a second, um, Romans chapter 13 is a very hot topic among uh, Christians, and there's a lot of uh, discussion about that. So I want to be careful here not to, uh, not to turn anybody off unduly. Um, you know, there are certain things that the Bible stands for and certain things that are clear in the Bible, and that, you know, it's pretty much everything. So, you know, I, I don't want to step out of line here and, and, and unduly make somebody think something that I'm not trying to say. So look at Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 in particular. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. This implies, if you read it carefully, generally what we take from that is you have to do whatever government tells you anytime because it's the government. That is not at all what this chapter is saying. And that's, that's made clear here in the very first verse. It says, Let every soul... That's the first three words. This implies that a choice is to be made by every man. More importantly, it means you have a responsibility and a duty to ensure that you have good government. In America, we have been blessed with the opportunity to pick and choose what our government looks like and how it runs. Uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 gives us a duty and a responsibility to make sure that that's good, that the government's good. If you skip on down to Romans chapter 13 and verse 3, it begins the qualifications or characteristics 
of God-ordained government. It says rulers are not a terror to good works. This has to be a qualification. The Bible is never wrong. But you look at governments like the Chinese government that are murdering you know, Christians and the Uyghurs and all that that's going on right now, um, and really any dissenter, they're killing them off by the tens and thousands. That's obviously, obviously not... Uh, that does not fall in place with Romans chapter 13, verses 3, which it says, rulers are not a terror to good works. The Chinese government is clearly not that. Nor are the Muslim governments or really any other government that uh, that tries to inhibit freedom and, and tries to silence dissenters. That is not the case. Therefore, that is a qualification. It is a characteristic, uh, ca- uh, excuse me, a characteristic of God-ordained government. If your leader does not fall in the category of a godly, good, ordained leader, you have a right and responsibility to find yourself a good one. You have a responsibility to make sure you are in subjection to someone who is worthy of God's people's subjection. Do not render unto Caesar what is God's. That is critical. That is that is you as the, as the citizen, as the civilian, or non-civilian, if you are a citizen of any sort of government or a nation, you do not render unto Caesar or government what is God's. God does have jurisdiction, God has property, and government has no right to take that. You have a responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. Allegiance and subjection belong to God and his qualified ordained leadership only. Now, a caveat here, I am not saying you should overthrow the government. I am saying you should become very familiar with the term civil disobedience. More on that later. Thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast has been a little bit longer, but I think it's been critically important. Please, again, go look at us, uh, go look for us at Facebook and Instagram, at Percolating's Perspective, at YouTube as well. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes for free on those platforms. Also, you can listen for free at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcast, Podbean, really anywhere you want to listen to it. Until next week, I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. I love you, America. God bless. See you next week. Podcast content written by Gordon Michael Porter. Audio produced and mastered by Porter Sound Studios. Music arranged and produced by Technoax. Art and advertisement by Rachel Johnson. Copyright 2022 Percolating Perspective Podcast.